and welcome to the Podcast Podcast. The podcast where we podcast about podcasts. I'm Dita. And I'm Lisa. Hey, stranger. Hey, Dita. <laughs> uh, Hi. It's been a while. Uh, has um, not been anybody's fault, but no, <laughs> no, it hasn't. It has been completely out of anyone's hands. Quite literally. So, um, <laughs> where I live is currently on fire. I mean, in fairness, the entire the entire West Coast is on fire. Yeah, um, the air is spicy. Mm. And uh, I didn't have electricity for almost a week. Yeah, what was the final hour count? 95 and a half. <laughs> 95 and a half hours. It came on half an hour before the 96 hour mark. And then <laughs> two days later, I lost electricity for most of a day again. I mean, slightly better. Yeah, no, that second one, um, I didn't lose any food. Well, that's good. Wait, didn't yeah. you say that your neighbor's generator got powered on? Yeah, no, they have a generator and they managed to save like my frozen food. Yeah. Well, some of my frozen food. Because it was still frozen after a couple days. Because nice. I went and bought a bag of ice and put the ice in the freezer on top of all the frozen food. Smart. And then didn't open the freezer for three days. Also smart. Yeah, so like when I got stuff into her into her freezer, it was all still frozen. Like like the chicken had like partially thawed, but like it still had ice crystals on it. So it still counts as like not being thawed enough for it to be in danger. Sure. So that happened. But like I still had stuff in my fridge that I didn't get into because I put everything in a cooler chest as well. That I could, but my cooler chest could only hold so much. So there was some stuff that's like, yeah. that's fine. I'll, I'll lose that half a bottle of heavy whipping cream I'm probably not going <laughs> to use anyway. So I did lose quite a bit of food in the fridge. Mm. And a couple things in the freezer. Like, I had some popsicles that melted, like, immediately. Mm-hmm. But I don't keep a lot of frozen food anyway, because I don't do... I don't have a microwave. So I don't, like, do frozen meals very often, if at all. Like, if I do frozen meals, it's usually the day I buy it. Gotcha. So. That makes sense. Yeah, so I didn't lose too much food. Um, I did lose my mind a little bit. <laughs> I read 13 books in less than five days. <laughs> because there's literally nothing else to do. Um, I don't have cell phone service inside my house. But I found, I have a chair out in my front yard that like I sometimes sit and like drink my coffee in the mornings. Yeah. I have cell phone service at that chair. I didn't realize it. <laughs> so... <laughs> the power went out like during the women's world cup final oh yeah that was so i hot spotted to my phone and sat out there like in the smoke with my laptop <laughs> watching the world cup final now that's what you call dedication well i would have been sad otherwise i didn't want to be sad i'm not judging i'm yeah. just saying that's dedication but yeah so that was last week and, and that's why we didn't have um an episode because my world was in the process of ending but this week, at least, it's only just, you know, everything is smoke. Yeah. It was hazy between me and my, my car in the driveway this morning. It was bad. Yeah, I saw photos. Yeah. Oh, we were talking about this a little bit before recording, but it is interesting that... So, I don't have asthma. I've never really had any, like, serious respiratory issues outside of, like, specific illnesses. Um, But... Every year, my tolerance to the smoke gets lower and lower. And this year, like, the minute there was haze in the sky, I was getting gunky and gross. And meanwhile, you have way worse air and are outside in your chair. Yep. Well, and, and I'm walking the dog. I went for, yeah. like, a mile and a half walk on Saturday 
because Vert came up to finally grab the blackberries that like weren't good anymore. And so we went on the nice long walk with Lily, who did a full barrel roll into fresh bear poop. So she had the time of her life. Um, mm. Got completely caked in it too. So she was she was incredibly happy. But we did a whole like mile and a half walk, and it was probably the AQI was probably around a hundred. Yeah, I I've had my I have like an air purifier from uh, we got it I got it a couple of years ago for. <laughs> 2020 the year where like the smoke was just so bad the entire west coast was just orange yeah anyway so i have it and it's got like a hepa filter and all that so i've been running it and it's been okay in my house but it's just very frustrating because i check the aqi fairly regularly and i'm like oh it's in the yellow that's fine i can go do things i'm not technically part of any you know highly sensitive group that's told to stay indoors and yet I react, and it's... (laughs) I feel like I'm just... And the other thing is, uh, nobody in this area has aircon. It is a traditionally, you know, cooler part of the world. Um, And so when my house gets hot and stuffy, the only way to fix that is to open the windows. Which is great, because you get, like, an ocean breeze, and sometimes the fog rolls in and cools everything down, and... Oh, yeah. (sighs) My house... Like, the temperature in my house is most of the time perfect because i i'm on the second floor so it doesn't get too cold i've got both south and west facing uh windows so i get a decent amount of sunlight and there's a skylight uh and if i crack open a couple of windows it cools down immediately and so most of the time it's perfect uh however right now i'm kind of stuck <laughs> well and and that's that's what's ironic because uh your aqi is a lot better than mine right now Mm-hmm. And I have, like, my front door open, my side door's open, uh, I have a fan going. Yeah, I, uh, I have none of those things. <laughs> no. Like, I mean, it's, it's fine, it's, uh, I'm not gonna melt. No, I might, if things get a little, <laughs> uh, crazier, you know? But it is what it is, it's just the end of the world, it'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the end of the world and skies falling down... We have a show to talk about. That's right, we do. <laughs> Finally. So the way this works is every week we roll dice to select a platform, a category, and then a show. We listen to two episodes each and are here to talk about what we listen to and give our thoughts on it. So what's on the hook this week? This week we reeled in Moonrise by the Washington Post, which was at number 41 in history on Apple Podcasts at the time of rolling. From the website... Want to uncover the real origin story behind the United States' decision to go to the moon? In the 50 years since the moon landing, as presidential documents have been declassified and top-secret programs revealed, a wild story has begun to emerge. Moonrise, a Washington Post audio miniseries hosted by Lillian Cunningham, digs into the nuclear arms race of the Cold War, the transformation of American society and politics, and even the birth of science fiction to unearth what really drove us to the moon. Come along with us on a fascinating journey from Earth to the moon. It's pretty. It's a pretty fascinating journey. I forgot to check. Is it over? Or are they still putting out episodes? Uh, you know what? I didn't check either. So let me pull up on my phone like a professional podcaster and see what's going on. We know see what we're doing. See when the latest doing. episode was. Uh, yeah, it's from 2019. Oh, yeah. So the show is very much over. Uh, there will not be new content, but you can still listen to what's there. So Yeah, no, it's it's phenomenal. Um, as we discussed in the last episode, my interests in life include um, the fall of Tsarist Russia and World War II cryptography, 
which jumps directly into the Cold War and the space race. Absolutely. I'm absolutely obsessed with the Cold War. So uh, this podcast was everything I've ever wanted in life. So the show is serial. It's, um, you know, chronological. Uh, they're not standalone episodes. I yeah. I think you could probably listen to a singular episode and kind of get it, but you'd be missing a lot of t- context. Oh, no, you can totally get it. Because um, I jumped in in the middle and didn't have any yeah. issues figuring out what was going on. Well, that's good. Yeah, like there's some references to uh, historical figures, but uh, because this is one of my areas of interest, it wasn't a big issue. Like, I know the German yeah. rocket guy. So, <laughs> well, see, I have very little knowledge on the subject other than, you know, what we were taught on uh, in elementary school and in various documentaries. Um, yeah, so um, I used to be a cryptologist. <laughs> and. When I was in the Navy as a cryptologist, I actually worked with people who like were in Western Germany when the wall fell, working yeah. for the government. That's pretty cool. So Cold War stuff is right up my alley. Um, one of my friends always says that I'm the only person she ever knows that was sad the Cold War was over <laughs> because I missed it. And that that's what I wanted. It's like I wanted that like cool spy stuff. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so anyways, I have so far only listened to the first two episodes. I very much enjoyed them and will probably keep going. The first two episodes were called The Tale of the Blue Light and Visionaries of the Void. And I originally listened to episodes The Bomb and the Saucer and Sputnik, but then I got excited about the topic and listened to the first two episodes as well. Yeah. I mean, I really I really enjoyed it. So on the whole, I've been feeling a little burned out on podcasts. It's not even just like making our show, just in general. I've just kind of needed a bit of a brain break. And so I procrastinated a bit on listening uh, for these recordings. Thanks to the end of the world, you had a (laughs) chance of like having a little vacation. Yeah, I did. So anyway, so, you know, I didn't get very far, but I don't think that's necessarily a commentary on the quality of the material. It's it's a really well done podcast. And it's basically um, drawing lines between science fiction and technology in the post-World War II world and the eventual space race. And it's really well done, like, in balancing that, yeah. the rise of science fiction and the rise of space science, we'll say. Definitely. So the first two episodes are definitely more about, like, the sci-fi fiction elements. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some brief discussions in there about, like, uh, Robert Gar- Goddard, uh, who was, like, I guess one of the first rocket engineers ever. Yeah, he was the first one to use uh, liquid fuel in a rocket. Yeah, but also like one of the first people to try and design a rocket that wasn't just for launching missiles or whatever, right? Like Mm -hmm. this was, you know, with the purpose of, you know, developing travel at some point. So he was pretty inspired by science fiction, but most of the two episodes I listened to were really about the development of science fiction itself as a genre. and. The person they had on to interview about like sci- the development and the growth of science fiction as a genre said something that really just tickled me. So she was talking about how like one of the biggest myths in America, like, and it's not entirely a myth, like it did happen to an extent, but it's like this idea of the frontier and of discovering new things and you know pushing uh, the boundaries of civilization. And you know, of course, we know now that people were already there, but yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, it was part of like the American zeitgeist of like we're yes. explorers and we 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 explore brave new frontiers and we boldly go where no one has gone before. <laughs> so that originally took the form of a lot of fiction about the Wild West and cowboys and all that stuff. And then, but then eventually the West was largely settled by the Europeans. There wasn't that much left for them to discover, so to speak. Um, and so that kind of transitioned into sci-fi. But she started talking about like the the tropes that had existed in these westerns, right? And how they uh, got transferred over to sci-fi. And I realized she was literally just describing Star Wars. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Star Wars is a is a western uh in space. Yeah, but it, it's almost like George Lucas knew about this, like this exact formula and went, what if I just turn that into a movie? So you've got the hero who's usually blonde and muscular, a sidekick with in westerns they were had a named horse, but it turned into a named spaceship. Um you're heading into a new place with a motley band. Uh it includes a love interest with Moxie and a disturbing tendency to get captured. And an older avuncular advisory figure. <laughs> this is literally huh. just the four main characters from the first Star Wars, except for the robots. The robots are like the kitschy sidekicks, though, so I guess that works, too. Like, because there's always a weird sidekick. Yeah, but, you know, so uh, Han Solo is the guy with the horse. Oh, yeah. Leia's the love interest because they weren't they weren't uh, siblings in the first movie. Yep. But, it, I mean, she's still the love interest. She's just no longer the love interest of the hero. But she keeps getting captured. She does, unfortunately. And Obi-Wan is definitely an avuncular advisory figure. Yep. It's just like, it was, it's just so just like straight ripped from this. And like, of course, that's what he was going for, but it's still kind of yeah. like on the nose. Star Wars is basically just like pulp science fiction. That's all it is. Like it has this big mythos behind it and like all these little interconnected extended universe things. But at the end of the day, it's just junk science fiction, and it's great at what it does at just being pulp. Yeah, absolutely. That's It's not that deep. I mean, that's why I love the original series. I was actually talking to someone the other day about how I actually like The Phantom Menace, because it's just a dumb space movie. And, you know, all the hardcore sci-fi nerds, I'm like, if you rewatch the original trilogy, they are pulp. I would argue that The Phantom Menace, the the you know, episode one isn't quite pulpy, though. It's not, but it's still goofy. It is a kid. It's oh, really yeah. a kid's movie. Oh, 100%. Especially with all that pod racing. Like, it was it was yeah, designed yeah. to sell toys. And Jar Jar Binks is literally, like, yeah. a toy figurine. But you hear, like, the super Star Wars nerds people talking about, like, it's they, they take it so seriously. And it's just like, have you watched the original trilogy? <laughs> Yeah, the original ser- trilogy did not take itself seriously at all. That's it why it was not. good. And one of the reasons the uh, sequel trilogy didn't, at least to me, wasn't as interesting was because it tried to take itself seriously. And I think if it had not done that, it would have been better. <laughs> yeah, no, like, um, hands down, my favorite episode of The Mandalorian was the last episode of the first season because it just went goofy somehow. Like, you have this, like, this scene of a couple minutes of two stormtroopers, like, bantering when they have the child Mm -hmm. and that's that's perfect that moment right there is what star wars is supposed to be about yeah uh i think on the whole one of the reasons the mandalorian has been successful is it 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 has its serious moments but a lot of it is 
monster of the week plucky space adventure. Yeah, and it's very much a western again. Yes, it is. I mean, it's quite literally. Like, the, f- yeah. the opening scene is the gunslinger walking into a saloon and, you know, tracking down his his uh, bounty. <laughs> He's like a cape <laughs> and everything. Yeah. So, back to this podcast. Anyways, I just I just thought that was interesting. Um, but, yeah, they, yeah, most of those two episodes were just the development of sci-fi. And it, uh, she said something else that was kind of interesting, which is that, I guess, originally... Like, the fiction behind space travel, readers found it amusing, but didn't take it seriously at all. And, um, like, even one of the first movies about space travel is uh, the silent film where they, like, shoot the rocket into the face of the moon. Oh, yeah! That would be so weird. Yeah. It's very French. (laughs) Yeah, it kind of is. Yeah, no, it's literally French. But then, um, I guess this guy, John Campbell who was uh, pretty involved in the development of the genre and of publishing uh, sci-fi materials, he really put a lot of effort into taking this fantasy series and making it more real and reflecting societal notions and ideas and within the genre. And so kind of taking it out of that pulpy phase. Um, and yeah. he's actually, I, th- I believe, he was the first guy to publish Isaac Asimov. Yes, yes, he was. They mentioned that in there. Yeah. I I will say, like, there was one thing, and I mean, I I don't know how much of this is just, like, what women were allowed to do during this time period versus uh, the sexism of the industry, but pretty much all of the authors listed, I think all of them, were male. Every single one. Yeah, that's that's the time. And sexism. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's still, it's it's a lot better than it was, um, especially since, like, the last couple of years, we've had some amazing uh, sci-fi come out that's really revolutionary and very feminist-focused. Uh, highly recommend Martha Wells' Murderbot series. Can't recommend it enough. You would love it. Becky Chambers' A Long Way to a Small Angry Planet was really good. I love Becky Chambers. That's such a good book. Yes. So we're getting a lot more women finally writing space operas and getting published. But yeah. that's, it's, you know, within the last couple of years. Definitely. And I think also a lot of women's sci-fi that was published before that, it just, it's not taken seriously as a whole, even if it yeah. is good or interesting or whatever. It's just, it's kind of seen as like, you know, B-sides. It's just, I, I don't know. Man, now I want to go read some sci-fi. <laughs> so this, this podcast is really good about kind of balancing that, that, Evolution of sci-fi and the evolution of the space race. So, my, of my two episodes, The Bomb and the Saucer, had this really interesting interplay between, like, science fiction and the development of the atomic bomb and the hydrogen bomb and all of the the kind of race between the Soviets and the U.S. to have, like, the most powerful, most devastating bomb. And then the rise of science fiction of, like, trying to explain this new world that we're finding ourselves at, and that's genuinely scary. And that was really cool. I really liked that uh, that framing of of kind of giving it this different perspective than we've seen before. Yeah, I like that she's not necessarily focused on the war aspect. Yeah, you know, she's she's telling a story and she's using like war as the narrative, but she's not necessarily trying to explain it or it's it's not necessarily central. They're all kind of running parallel to each other, and I really appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. And then the second episode was about Sputnik, which 
is a personal favorite topic of mine. Uh, she she talked about how it really wasn't a surprise to the U.S. because we knew it was happening. We were actually pushing for this um, this concept of like having space belong to everybody and having it be international. Yeah. And so the fact that the Soviets launched Sputnik first actually helped Eisenhower with that agenda because then it wasn't huh. us. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I really liked it, and it really talked about the development of like rockets and how. They, the Russians really just wanted ICBMs, but this dude got his little Sputnik satellite project in under all of it. So, so he, he, he made a good ICBM that could like hit America. And then uh, Khrushchev is like, all right, fine. You can have your stupid <laughs> little space thing. And they launched Sputnik. Well, I think the collaborative aspect of it is interesting. I mean, it's it, from what I know about current space goings on that is still the goal is like this collaborative uh, this you know yes. space belongs to everyone thing but in the with the backdrop of the cold war which was very much us versus them to also have these collaborative efforts and perspectives is very contrast like contrasting i don't i don't really know what to do with that but it's an interesting thing yeah. to think about and like why it translated to this one arena but not the other well i think because if we did weaponize space, it would kind of end poorly for everybody. Oh, no, no, no. I, I mean the other way around. Like, if we can get along about space, why can't, oh, why we, can't get we get along, along about, about everything? Yeah. I don't know, but apparently but... Lyndon B. Johnson is, like, the guy that made it, that made the space race into what it was. And huh. made it more of a confrontational thing. Interesting. Yeah. I, this is like a side thought, but, I, like, the Sputnik thing is interesting to me because there's this new segment of archaeology happening that is space archaeology space archaeology gotta love it because it's archaeology in space yeah i mean you know we've been out there long enough that there's enough stuff for us to be studying and talking about which is also interesting because uh humans at this point in time are much better at recording history uh, and so you would think we would have a good idea of what's going on up there, but apparently we don't. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, like, stuff get, gets weird in space, I guess. Yeah. So, uh, I actually listened to an audiobook by Scott Kelly, who spent a year in space. His twin brother, Mark Kelly, is a senator from Arizona. And oh, also was an astronaut. Yeah. I love those guys. It was really good. Um, it was an incredible book. Oh. It was... Yeah, I listened to it while hiking in 2020 because that's all I did in 2020 was like hike constantly. I mean, to be fair, that's all you do now. No, no, I don't hike right now because the air is spicy. I haven't <laughs> been able to hike for two weeks. You know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, Scott Kelly's book was really cool because it talked about like, uh, he was a kid who I think he had ADHD and dyslexia and just wasn't very good in school. And then he discovered, uh, God, it was a book that became a movie. The right stuff, which was about going into space or being a fighter pilot. I think it was about being a fighter pilot. And so he's like, oh, I want to do that. And so he joined the Navy and mm. yeah, became a fighter pilot and became a test pilot and then became an astronaut and spent a year in space. But the way we send astronauts up into space even today is we send them to Russia. Yep. And they do this whole thing in Russia and they... uh Get, they pee next to a statue of the first guy in space, whose name I can never remember, but I know it. I know it. I swear I know it. And then they go into space on a Soyuz rocket. Hmm. 
It's, uh, Which they've been using for like 50 years. You can tell it's mostly men because of the peeing thing. No, the women do it too. Uh, tradition the is tradition. That's true. And I don't like that. Well, <laughs> tradition is tradition. I was in the Navy. I know stupid traditions. So tradition. They don't need to make sense. We don't need to like them. Tradition. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked this podcast. It was great. Yeah, I, I liked the history of it. I liked the framing of it. I liked the storytelling of it. It was really captivating. I want to listen to all of it, which I'm probably going to do this week, because what else am I going to do? I'm not going to hike. Yeah, I think it's very well done. I have almost no complaints about the structure of it. Um, there's a little bit of, like, back and forth, so she'll, like, mention something up top and then come back to it later, and so if you're not totally paying attention, um... It, you can get a little lost, but it's not terrible. My one thing is that the soundtrack, I think they're trying to go for like a sci-fi space vibe soundtrack, but it, it just ends up sounding kind of creepy. Yeah, it has like sound effects and it doesn't quite work with the storytelling aspect of it. No, well, it's not, it's almost like she was trying to make it like a radio play. Yeah, except it's one person talking to me and sometimes interviewing other people. Yeah. So it's not a radio play. I don't need to hear fake footsteps simulating a dead dude, uh, like, walking into his study. At least it's not a fake tape deck sound. <laughs> eh, fair. But, um, I think, yeah, that was, like, really my only complaint was just the audio weirdness. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. But, like, it's, it's pretty, in, in terms of, like, storytelling, it's pretty masterfully done. Yeah, definitely, you can definitely tell this is, like, a Washington Post thing. Like, this is done yeah. by a reputable journalistic outfit, because it's definitely a journalistic endeavor. Yes, but also, like, it's done by somebody who has a knack for for storytelling, not just for reporting, but for weaving information together in a way that is captivating. But also, um, you know, she's not straying too far from the facts, and she's not, she's not info-dumping. Like, it's just... Yeah, it's just kind of masterful. Yeah, and she is um, citing all of her sources at the end. She is, which is, oh, I love so much. Even if yeah. I never check sources ever, like, I appreciate the effort. Yeah, she at the very end of the episode, she's like, I got stuff from here, 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 here. Perfect. Good job. Thank yeah. you. Seriously. Um, if anything, because that means other people who are skeptical of what she's saying can go look it up for themselves. Yeah. There's not a lot of wiggle room for finger pointing or well you missed this and she's going well i might have but this is where i got my info so <laughs> but i got this info from the lyndon b johnson uh library so <laughs> deal with it and the ads were also fine yeah like i barely noticed them except there was a mcdonald's ad to the tune of moon river really <laughs> yeah and it's just i think it's an episode three actually yeah and i was just I wrote down the notes because I'm like, what the heck? But yeah, it's a McDonald's ad and like Moon River is playing in the background. What were they advertising? I don't know. McDonald's. I, yeah, I, I don't think the original writer of Moon River wanted that either. No, he wrote it for uh, Audrey Hepburn. Yeah. But yeah, they're not totally intrusive. They're all the same volume, which is now a thing we have to worry about, I guess. Unfortunately, yeah, that's that's been a common theme but yeah they're, they're all the same volume they happen at the beginning yeah if they happen in the middle i didn't notice 
I think there might have been one or two in the middle, but it was again like yeah. they they're not ad copy. She's not doing the uh, they're not influencer style. She's not the one reading the ads. It's a quick commercial for something else on the Washington Post usually. Yeah, yeah, or which on is fine. The network or whatever. So yeah, it's it's fine. Which makes McDonald's to Moon River a little weird. <laughs> it's still the weirdest, one of the weirdest ads I've ever heard of. But uh, find you a clip and send it to you. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was all right. Yeah. So uh, any final thoughts? I'm gonna finish this. I'm gonna listen to it, and then I'm gonna read my book that I have that's called Red Star in Orbit about the Soviet space race. And I'm mm. just gonna live in this world for a moment. It's great. I'm excited. You? I think I will probably also finish. I don't think I'm anywhere near as invested as you, but um, it, it's kind of scratching this itch for me. I, I haven't fiction podcast lately that I've wanted to listen to, and I've just been like re-listening to the same one. That one is actually also about space, but it's funny. So much of the, like the selection in the podcast realm is like horror or like serious sci-fi stuff, which is just not. I don't know, it's not really my thing. But anyway, so I feel like this kind of scratches the itch, where it's not fiction, it's a true tale, but it is still a story. Yeah. And so, yeah, and I, I mean, I do genuinely, I think if it was just about the space race, I wouldn't care as much, but I'm really enjoying, like, the parallel tales of sci-fi, fiction, and the space race. Yeah, it definitely makes it much more of a compelling thing to listen to. If it was just a space race, I'd still be excited about it. But this makes me just ecstatic. It makes me yeah. over the moon. <laughs> but um, well, and I think also just from like an anthropological perspective, right? Like we're seeing human behavior and the various realms in with it in which it's reflected, and so that's just it's something new. Yep. All right. Well, that concludes this week's episode. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to talk to us, our website is podcastpodcast.fish. Our email is podcastfisherman at gmail.com. We are on Twitter and Instagram at podpodfish, and now on Facebook as The Podcast Podcast. Music is by the incomparable Evan Speakman, who you can find on Instagram as at Speakman Recording. Episode is edited by me, Lisa. Logo and associated artwork is by me, Dita. We'll be back with a fresh catch next week. Bye! Bye. Archaeology. Gotta love it cause it's archaeology in space. Tradition. Tradition.